0: Welcome in. This is the inaugural edition of the Blue Ribbon Podcast. Along with Blue Ribbon's Chris Dorch, I'm Kevin Ingram, and uh, we are happy to have you with us. And uh, Chris, we're, we're cracking up a whole new venture here. This, this was Chris's uh, brainchild. He has included me, which I'm very honored, along with Chris Lee and Blake Lovell, Going to bring you year-round coverage of college basketball, the, the kind of quality that you've come to expect from Blue Ribbon, which Chris has put out for years with the yearbook. A great perspective uh, with Chris and Blake on board, and and uh, hopefully I can uh, chip in with some some podcast work. And Chris might even let me, uh, you know, edit a couple pages before he pulls the plug on that. But uh, it, it's a just an honor and pleasure to be here with you, Chris, and uh, great to team up with you again. I know we've done our, our radio show for years with it. This is kind of a, a new sort of venture for us, and really excited about it.
1: It is. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, want anybody else with us, uh, to do this uh, other than you. And, uh, I think that I think we're going to do great things with this podcast. You know, we did the blue ribbon college basketball hour on radio for years. And this is just kind of a logical extension of that. And in fact, sir, uh, there's no yes, maybe sir. about me giving you any extra assignments. Uh, I will <laughs> definitely need your help. Uh, we, we delayed a little bit in, in, in deciding whether to publish this year, obviously because of the pandemic, but now we are and, uh, we're making up for lost time. So man, get your editing, uh, All right. editing, uh, clothes on and, and we're going to get at it.
0: You, you may have to give me like a crash course, like your, your, your college classes you teach so I can, uh, you know, maybe, maybe get a little refresher here. So we'll, we'll talk Most about definitely. that. <laughs> uh, Chris, it's been such a strange year for basketball. The NCAA tournament was canceled back in March due to the pandemic. Uh, and following most of the major college conferences, tournaments, uh, you know, getting, getting called off. The SEC was just getting going. They played a couple games on that Wednesday night. I know Tennessee was about to uh, tip off its game uh, on the uh, Thursday and, and then they, they, they axed it right there. The whole thing was over with, but it just, it just felt like a big hole in the middle of the year, didn't it? And, uh, I, I, I call the games for Belmont half for many years. Bruins won that exciting uh, OVC championship game against Murray on the last second backdoor play. Everybody's all fired up about going to the NCAA tournament. And then you have the total letdown. 'm Not getting to go, and I know Belmont wasn't the only team. There are a lot of good teams that you know had chances to really go deep and potentially win the thing in magical years, and it just didn't happen so uh, you know we hope by the time we get to next spring that the situation with the virus is going to look a whole lot different and kind of get back to a little bit more of a, a normal setup and and get to have the tournament and, and do more of the things that we enjoy when, when March and April roll around.
1: It was a soul soul crushing uh, occurrence when, when it happened. I remember. I think it was on a Wednesday night there was that dual gut punch of of Tom Hanks and and his wife Rita Wilson announcing they'd had it uh the virus and uh the NBA saying we're shutting it down. And Yeah, with I Rudy think, Gobert. Yeah, and I think then it, it 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 dawned on people this thing is real. You know, uh uh Tom Hanks is our latter-day Jimmy Stewart. He's 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 every man. He's America's favorite actor uh so uh and then that happened and like you said, you called Belmont. They they had a chance to make some noise. I went to East Tennessee State. They were an upset special pick, you know, they had won thirty, they had gone down to LSU and won by twenty. Looking forward to seeing that. Uh looking forward to seeing what a team like San Diego State could do with a bunch of transfers. They had gotten it to thirty and two and uh were really excited, even though they'd lost the Mountain West Championship to Behind Malachi Flynn, who had a great year and so many other schools, Florida State, uh, thought they had a sneaky chance. They, they're, they're always in the heart. Sure. So much depth and length, and, uh, and coaching acumen there with Leonard Hamilton and, and Stan Jones' assistant. So a bunch of teams that really thought they had a chance were just left, you know, staring at, at the ground. And, uh, I really, really hope that we can get on top of this thing and, and get back to some degree of normalcy. I, I believe it will happen. Uh, that's why I published Blue Ribbon, and that's why we're doing this. We're sure. doing this newsletter. It's it's a 52 week a year newsletter. We're going to have great coverage, and uh, a couple times a month, Kevin and I are going to reprise our, our uh, basketball show. Only this time in the form of a podcast, and I have a lot of great guests, and we're, we've got some great stuff coming up. I'm really excited for people to read it.
0: Yeah, and, he, and coming up on this show, we're going to have Joe Lenardi uh, join us, the ESPN Bracketologist and, and longtime friend of Chris and, and friend of our show over the years. So we look forward to uh, visiting with Joe here in just a few minutes. You know, in, in this interesting offseason, Chris, we've seen a lot of guys return to school after testing the NBA draft waters. have seen a number of transfers. How, how do you feel like the uncertainty has fueled a lot of these things?
1: You know, I think it's weird because usually by now uh, – Obviously, the, the NBA draft is in our rearview mirror, and instead it's it's in mid-October. And for, for a lot of the kids who decided to, to test the NBA waters, I thought that was a bigger risk than usual because they were not going to be able to go and do the interviews and the workouts in front of NBA teams. And I mentioned Malachi Flynn earlier he did come out and signed with an agent a good agent he's with CAA I did a story on him for NBA.com and uh his coach Brian Dutcher said you know it's a shame uh that he didn't get to work out because if he'd have gone to these workouts he would have crushed their shooting drills and he would have impressed people with his IQ and the way he makes people around him better uh but he took a chance and I think he's going to be rewarded for it but for every Malachi Flynn, there was probably 20 other kids who thought, you know, Eve Ponds in Tennessee is is a guy that, you know, had he been able to work out, people would have seen his jaw-dropping athleticism and ability to guard one through five, and, and he would have probably gotten drafted. But he decided to come back to school because he didn't have those workouts, and I commend him for that, just as I commend Malachi Flynn for having the faith in himself to believe – that, you know, workouts or not, he's going to get drafted.
0: You mentioned Eve Ponds. Vol's got good news on him with him coming back to school after, you know, kind of getting the evaluation. That would figure to place them near the top of what looks to be a loaded SEC. I know we'll talk to Joe in a little bit, but he has uh, seven SEC teams in in his offseason bracket. But man, it looks like it's going to be loaded. LSU got a bunch of key guys back. Kentucky will be Kentucky, you know, Florida's always good, but you, and then you got a kind of a whole cluster of, of good teams and, and what's really deep league, don't you?
1: You do. I mean, you, we, we've we learned now we can't rest on Auburn. Uh, when as long as Bruce Pearl is there, no matter, you know, who leaves his program, he's always going to find a way to be competitive. And you know, they're starting to recruit. A, uh an ever increasing number of four and five star kids uh Arkansas with Eric Musselman does it a different way they they'll recruit as good of high school players as they can and they're starting to really tap uh in-state talent but they 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 make their uh, living on on transfers and they got a lot of transfers so i th- i think it's going to be a deep league
0: well, Chris, it looks like uh, Joe Lenardi is joining us now. So let's bring in Joe and uh, just explain quickly before we do your relationship with Joe that, man, it goes back a long way, doesn't it?
1: We do go a long, back a long way. Uh, Joe was editing uh, Blue Ribbon for a time and brought me on to do some writing. And then uh we ended up buying the original owner, Chris Wallace, out. And we ran it ourselves for a while. And then Joe, uh he got big time on us and, and went to Bracketology. And <laughs> And, uh, that was, uh, that was the end of him, but, uh, uh, we've stayed friends ever since. And, uh, I, I thought in, on our 40th anniversary year, he would be a great guest to have. Joe, you, you kind
0: of look at trying to put together a bracket. I know you put together a, a new one that I just saw, uh, three teams for number one seeds, Baylor, Gonzaga, Villanova, and, and then who? How, how do you stack them up after that at the top? Michigan State, Virginia, and there as well.
2: Yeah, I think the top three, um, you know, in whatever order, Baylor, Gonzaga, Villanova are, are going to be the leaders whenever there is a preseason poll Uh based upon, you know, how they finished, who they have back, and the relative competition to be a consensus number one team. There really isn't a clear consensus. It wouldn't surprise me if we had different number one teams in the various polls or the preseason publications and whatnot, you know, again, sometimes there's an obvious consensus number one, other times not. A little bit unusual to have you know, three co-leaders in that category. Uh, and, and then it just becomes, uh, you know, an educated guessing game, if you will, for a fourth number one seed this far out I'm, I'm i'm fairly certain that a fourth number one seat is required i i don't think they leave the line blank uh if there are three clear choices and not a fourth and you know guys that's that's why bracketologists that's why we make the big money you know is
0: to, to figure this <laughs> out.
1: well joe uh you know you're you're dead on because over the years of editing blue ribbon and if you can believe it this is our 40th and it's why we wanted you on our first show of our new, we're starting a blue ribbon report. It's a newsletter that will have a bi-monthly podcast. So we thought, what better guest than to have the guy who invented bracketology, uh, in a, in a car ride to Knoxville. We've, we've told this story many times, but, uh, you, you know, we've learned never to sleep on Baylor, Gonzaga, Villanova and Virginia. It just seems that, and especially, well, Gonzaga's, as you know, uh, record under Mark Few is, is, is sterling, but Villanova and Virginia have got it going on. I was just talking about this to the Furman coach the other day who tries to emulate the system. They redshirt kids. They always seem to stay old and mature. And Baylor, uh, they seem to do the same thing, only they do it slightly differently. They'll take transfers. They'll take Brad transfers. But I guess you've learned over the years that for those programs, you've always got to give them every consideration uh in your bracketology.
2: Yeah. And and I really think that at the macro level, being old and mature has become kind of an underrated pathway. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly. Chris, in, in our case, I don't want to speak for Kevin. We, we've got the being old part down. <laughs> that we do. The, the mature part, you know, n- not so much, but, uh, you, you take, you, you know, you take away the obvious one and done schools, right? right? Which I guess would be Kentucky, Duke and, and maybe half of Kansas. Right in, right, in the way they approach recruiting and and roster assembly, for lack of a better word. Uh the the other teams that have won big, let's say in the last five, eight, ten years, whatever, generally do it by being older. You know, Virginia has won the most games, uh or had won the most games heading into last year. In the previous five year span, but a, a few tournament upsets, UNBC included, kind of made them not known for that. Villanova went through a five-year stretch. In addition to two national championships, uh, they, they they had three number one seeds in five years, two twos, averaged thirty-two and a half wins, and didn't lose back to back games one time that's crazy in five years now, I'm a St Joe's guy, and I'm supposed to hate them, but <laughs> like like you just gotta tip your hat to that got to got and, to. and and you know doing that uh after the bigger big East allegedly broke apart, and for the most part, uh, Jay Wright and the cats have done it by being. Older Now, they did lose a one-and-done, Sadiq Bay heading into this coming season. And I think it's probably more of a comment on the sport as a whole that you can lose your best player, as they've done, and actually move up from where you were the year before. I'm not saying that that's a good signal for the sport, but it's just where we are with the kind of churn and turnover and departures and transfers and you know are we even going to play considerations that that are kind of
1: lurking uh, over
2: everything in the game right now
1: you know joe uh, i've always been fascinated by your ability to to churn out uh, bracketology any time of year but in particular, the summer, you don't have anything to go on other than, you know, your educated guesses and your research. So how does one construct this? You've got to be super thorough, uh, particularly as it relates to the mid-majors, don't you?
2: Well, now that, you know, Chris, that you've grown up to be a big-time college professor, you'll appreciate <laughs> this challenge. <analogy. laughs> <laughs> and 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 just as an aside, I never knew Kevin that it was possible to teach books without ever reading one.
0: <laughs> well, and for those who don't know, Chris has this giant bookshelf behind him, and I accused it of being one of those Zoom call, you know, backgrounds that you can. I put think in it's place. A <laughs> it, it, It's actually <laughs> real. I've read most of them,
1: but the the, the double edition. Authors cut 800,000 Beatles biography. As much as I love the Beatles, it's too daunting. I haven't tried it yet.
2: Well, the only title that I can read off that screen is, is, is large print green eggs and ham. <laughs> so you know that's right off
0: for dummies back there somewhere i knew he busted right on
1: our inaugural <laughs> episode of this new podcast i, I knew it. <laughs> it
2: was your idea it was your idea no so 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 he the true story true story about you, you know there was a question in there and i, I should answer it <laughs> but, but, but you know kind of how do you do off-season projections right and make it somewhat scientific Um be, because for years and years and years, I, I really did it seat of the pants and was not comfortable with, you know, kind of the methodology behind that. Right. I think that longtime followers of Bracketology, at least, you know, to my way of thinking, expect a little bit more discipline in in how I go about, you know, my business. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not the college professor at the top of the steps, throwing the term papers down the staircase. (laughs) And the ones that land on the top step get A's and the second step get B's and all that. That may be how Chris does it. So I, I, I've over the years built a bit of an off season algorithm, if you will that is uh, driven by the offensive and defensive efficiency metrics of the team's prior season, you can say, all right, team A, let's say that team is Tennessee, uh has, I don't know, 72% of its minutes returning at an established level of efficiency. Right. So, You you can, kind of based on the ages of the returning players, forecast, you know, kind of a standard level of improvement based on growth. You know, some guys advance, some guys regress. But in general, the boulder is pushing its way up the hill. And then you go about trying to estimate the offensive and defensive efficiency of, quote-unquote, replacement minutes right if this sounds like bill james and 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 baseball uh analytics that's that's where i got the idea that that's where i first started reading about this kind of thing like back in college yeah um because i didn't read like the actual assigned books.
1: <laughs> and He's big on the extracurricular
2: yeah that's right
1: and and <laughs>
2: You know, if, if you're a keen observer of the game, as we all are, you know, you know that an SEC level recruit is probably going to be a better player than a Southern Conference level recruit, generally speaking. And then if it's, you know, a five star or a top fifth, like you can assign numbers to those minutes in a team's projected rotation. And then, you know, kind of math your way to a finish line. Uh, and, and I might throw in my own secret sauce of the school changes coaches. I might adjust them five or 10% in, in a certain direction. Or if, you know, in August, September, I start reading about so and so looks really good in off season workouts or so and so might not be eligible because his dog swallowed his homework. You know, or whatever the case may be, uh, kind of tweak and go from there. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of the off season methodology. And for years I said to ESPN, you know, I'm just not as comfortable with this as I would like it to be. And they were like, and if it were up to me, I wouldn't do it at all in the off season. This was right maybe five, six, seven years ago. And they said, well, you know, we, we, we could, you know, talk about increasing your compensation in a year-round way. And I said, geez, what a great idea. Why didn't
0: I do that? <laughs> Oh man, let's do it year-round. <laughs> so, but,
2: but I wasn't comfortable just saying yes without kind of putting in some, some, right. you know, uh, elbow grease behind it. Well, sure. So to the extent that any of us know anything, at least I can point to a way of going about this that is different from standing at the top of the steps with a stack of Durham papers.
0: (laughs) You can read uh, Joe Lenardi's excellent work, Bracketology. Just go to ESPN.com. It has the bracket. It has all the explanation behind it. Joe, we, we are thrilled and honored that, uh, you spent a few minutes here. I know we joke around a lot, but we always really appreciate the, the time you, you spend with us uh, every season and, I uh, hope we'll catch up with you again soon down the road here on our podcast.
1: I've got one more question for Joe.
0: All right. Go for it, Chris.
1: We, we talked about this and you were, you were one of the guys that really helped me make my decision. Should I publish Blue Ribbon? And Joe's response was Chris, come on, Bubby, uh, they cannot not have the NCAA tournament two years in a row. So what do you think? I know you're not an epidemiologist uh, <laughs> or scientist, uh, uh, but none of us really know, but it does seem like they'll make every effort to play basketball, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. As, as, as we're recording this, you know, college football is, is feels like it's kind of crumbling around us. Um, and you know, that worries me at a lot of levels, not least of which is if, and when that happens, if there's no false sports of any kind, including football, you know, that means w- we've gone from the on deck circle to home plate and now we're up to make a decision right? and have a plan. And, uh, y- you know, I- I've-, I've thought from the beginning Two things in college sports that, that I thought were going to be anchors. I thought the SEC would play college football some way, like I just couldn't imagine those states and governors and institutional leaders not playing football. And I'm not being political here. Sure. I'm just speaking to the, to the, importance of that in those states. Like, I live in the Northeast. Penn State is a huge deal, right? It's the closest thing we have to big-time college football. But living in Philadelphia, which is a pro town, while everyone here roots for Penn State, if Penn State went away, like, you, it would be a blip. It would be a blip. If the Eagles went away or in the other half of the Pennsylvania, the Steelers went away. Right. That would be the equivalent of, you know, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, Florida.
1: People jumping off, bridges yep. and stuff. Like, mm. like,
2: like it would be like, <laughs> what do I, I, why am I alive? <laughs> I'm not saying that's mentally healthy. No, I no. just think it's reality. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I, I, you know, unless there's absolutely no one else to play, they're going to play. Yeah. In, 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 in at least one or two of those leagues. Unless somebody throws enough money at them to have a championship in the spring. Sure. To, to, to the extent that college basketball has the same level of importance. And from a dollar standpoint, it does not. But the only thing in college basketball that comes close is obviously the tournament. And I, I, I've always been convinced that there was going to be a tournament. Now, you know, I make my money in the run-up to the tournament, right? right? right. So, so what I don't know is, are we going to have four months of bracketology, leading four weeks, four days? <laughs> like, n- no one knows that. And you know who? The the one thing we've seen, not just the NBA, but that that summer tournament, that the the TBT, is. You know, you can make basketball work if you want to enough. Sure. And you know, does that mean the the major conferences send ten or twelve teams to a single location? Like, if their schools aren't going to class in class, what difference does it make if their players go to class online? Half of them do anyway. Right. 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 And and you know, like it's not like they're going to be using the dorms at Michigan if their classes aren't online right? or if their classes are online. So why not put the big 10 there and play? I'm not saying have a four month season. Maybe we have an eight week season and they play league games, three games a week. And then, you know, the NCAA has some kind of tournament, based upon – with the number of teams depending upon the number of leagues participating, right? Like, that's kind of where I see it going if, you know, we don't start in three months because, you know, as we record here, it's August 11th. The season was three months from yesterday. Open night is November 10th. And, you know, our team's going to be in Maui then. Uh, I, I'm not seeing that, uh, but really, uh, who knows?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joe, awesome to visit with you. Here, here's hoping we have a, a full season, November 10th all the way through uh, the early part of April. But uh, well, whatever form it's in, we look forward to it. And again, really, really appreciate the time.
1: Stay For safe. Sure. We'll you have know, you I'm back
2: on my calendar. I'm free that day,
0: so <laughs> excellent. Let's do it. Let's,
2: let's talk.
1: All right, buddy. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you, Joe. See ya. Yep.
0: That is Joe Lenardi, uh, the ESPN bracketologist, the inaugural guest for our Blue Ribbon podcast. And Chris, he's always awesome. Uh, great insight on not only the teams, but kind of the, the broader scope of the sport.
1: Great, uh, bracketologist and great chops buster, as you heard there. <laughs> <laughs> he never misses an opportunity to bust on me, but, uh, no, we've been friends for gosh, 25 years probably and, and, uh, uh, like I said, uh, we were in a car driving to Tennessee uh, at, uh, versus Florida when we kind of hit on that idea of bracketology, and so we could put out a tournament edition, and and he just has taken it, and now it's all like a closet industry for him.
0: Well, Chris, uh, this will wrap up our first edition of our Blue Ribbon podcast. And, and again, for folks who you know want to consume this on a regular basis, want to read the newsletter that that's getting cranked up here, and it's going to be a year-round thing. And give us give us the details and, and, and how folks can get involved and check it
1: out. Absolutely, uh, you go to blueribbonyearbook.com, dot uh, com, where, by the way, you can also purchase a, a pre order the yearbook. Uh, we are going to publish, and our, our our fans want us to publish, but. You scroll down to about midway through the page, and you're going to see uh, a, a click to put your email in for the Blue Ribbon Report. Now, the email doesn't commit you to anything. There is a free list, uh, which will send you what we're going to have every year, but it is a paid subscription. It's $7.99 a month, $71.99 a year, which is a savings of about $24. We're going to go year-round. Uh, we're going to do our podcast, you and me. Uh, uh twice a month and, um, and and maybe more as and then we're going to have all kinds of great reporting uh which I'll be happy to talk about if we have time <laughs>
0: Sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll do, we'll do plenty of that to, you know, let folks know what all's uh, going to be included, Absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, up to date stuff. So, uh, it, it's really a cool venture. Chris, thank you so much for, uh, having me as part of this and, uh, look forward to what's to come. And, you know, we got our, got our first podcast in the books and, it uh, feels like we're off to a great start here.
1: Well, you know what? I couldn't have done it. I would not have done a podcast or radio show without you, my friend. So, uh, it's a pleasure to be back in the saddle.
0: Absolutely. He's Chris Storch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.